by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Amen. You know, someone said, uh, kind of got me thinking along the lines that, you know, it wasn't proper to clap during praise and worship, that they lifted their hands and and so forth. But then I, I read in a Psalm 46, I think it was recently, it said, clap, you hand, clap your hands, all you people. So it's okay to clap your hands and give the Lord a shout of praise at the same time. And he is worthy. He is worthy for us just to act a fool, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> well, speaking of fools, I'm Pastor Guy. <laughs> what a segue, huh? <laughs> I got myself into that one. <laughs> Let's give it up for our the first time for this new praise team in the Passion Church. Amen. I said God is doing a new thing. It's not church as usual. So we have a second praise team now that's going to be working into the rotation as they learn new songs. And they've been working hard. And so that was awesome, guys. Thank you so much for bringing us to the throne room today. <laughs> Well, uh, it's Missions Pledge Sunday. We do this once a year. We talk about our missionaries, and hopefully everybody has a handout. Uh, shows, the, I think, 24 missionaries that we support around the world. It's not just this little passion church back here in the middle of nowhere, but we're getting it done in Asia. We're getting it done in South America. We're getting it done in Africa, all over the world. We actually have our own missions training center in Uganda that's training pastors and planting churches. Uh, we have... Just recently, we had Glenn Roseberry come and speak, and he's in Tanzania. So we're, we're reaching out with this gospel. And isn't that what Jesus said? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and make disciples. disciples. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to know that verse. That's one of the greats. Well, if this is your first time with us today, thank you for visiting. We're so excited to have you with us. Um, if this is your first time online, don't click off, you know, stay with us because God has something great for all of us today. I believe it with all my heart. Um, today's message is entitled, What If God Could Trust Me? Look at your neighbor and say, what if God could trust me? That's a big question, isn't it? Some of us saying, what if I could trust myself? <laughs> <clears throat> Well, I, there was a guy asked his friend, said, let me borrow $10. He said, nope. He said, come on, man, let me borrow $10. He said, nope. He said, you know me. You know my character. Let me borrow $10. He said, yeah, I know you. He said, but why won't you let me have $10? Because I know you. I know your character. What if God could trust you? Is there anybody in here that would give me $20? Miss Sandra? Thank you. Thank you. You can be seen. <laughs> what, you don't trust me? 
Today I'm going to preach on a message <clears throat> that Jesus preached on all the time. It's the subject of money. Now, I don't preach on it a lot because I know people that don't come to church and they come up in here and they say, oh, I knew it, that's all they preach on. But we, once a year we talk about our missions given, so I'm going to preach on it. And I, and I don't think it's wrong to preach on it. If Jesus preached on it, it needs to be preached on. Because that's probably the main hindrance for people's hearts to connect with God because you can't serve God and money at the same time. And that's a big pull away from the gospel because people are all known to their money. 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus preached were on how to handle money and possessions. Over 2,000 scriptures, I think, in the Bible about how to handle money. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, that wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Now, did you see the order of things? It didn't say that we'll spend our money on whatever the desires of our heart are, is. Even though that's true, we're going to spend our money on what, what, we, what our heart wants, right? That's true, but Jesus said it in a reverse order. That the desires are, of your heart, your, your treasures are so important that the desires of your heart will follow along wherever they go. And he's trying to get you to see, man, maybe we need to change the desires of our heart. What if God could trust me? Say, what if God could trust me? Help me out today. Can God trust you? Only you know. Uh, Solomon, King Solomon, there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 3 where he sacrificed over 1,000 bulls to the Lord. <laughs> That's a lot of bull. I, I mean, really, that there's a town of Gibeon, and, and they typically he would sacrifice, you know, a king would sacrifice a bull, or they would sacrifice, you know, a reasonable about. But Solomon was so excited about Jesus, or well, he didn't know Jesus at the time, but about God, that he sacrificed 1,000 bulls. Think about the poor priest that was up there, their arm was like brother here trying to hold that camera up. They're like, oh, what? another bull? How many has he got left? You know, and they're putting these, and you could think, man, this is extravagant. They, they can't eat a thousand bulls. They just waste it. It's wasteful. But I tell you what, if your heart, shouldn't your heart be extravagant for Jesus? Shouldn't you want to, to go all out? I mean, it's just when people start saying, no, that's a little strange. Don't do that. When they start telling you that, you know you're hitting on that extravagant giving. Because I see three types of giving in the Bible. I see your tithes, your offerings, and then that painful, extravagant giving. Now, the tithes, I really wouldn't even call that giving. I would call that returning. Because Jesus says the tithe belongs to me. It ain't yours in the first place to give. It's 10% of your, your income. He says the, the first fruits belong to me. So, you know, giving that first fruit is just giving back to God what's already his. And then above that is offerings. That's what you get to decide. You get to decide if you want to give 1%, 1,000%. You want to give 50 cents. That's up to you, and you can decide where you give it. 
The tithe goes into the storehouse. The problem is, is a lot of people don't understand the principle of tithe, or maybe they understand it and don't want to do it, and they just pluck a few bucks in the offering plate as it goes by, and they don't tithe, and they call it an offering, or they call it, I don't know what they call it. But that, you might as well just stop that. Can I be honest with you? If you hadn't got to the place that you tithe and give your 10% to God, then anything else you give is just, it's like, like Angie owes me $100, but she says I, she don't pay me what she owes me, but she's going to give me a dollar and say it's a gift. That's what it is. That's what giving an offering without tithing is like. It's sort of like uh, how in America we borrow money from China to give to all the other nations of the world. It don't make sense. So if you, if you ain't a tither and you hadn't come to that place where you're at least returning to God what belongs to him so that your other 90% can be blessed by him, I would say don't worry about this missions giving. Don't do it. It's just—it's really probably insulting to God, to be honest with you. You need to first come to a place where you are a tither. That's what connects, that's what opens the windows of heaven and rebukes the devourer for your sake. Did I say that in church? Amen. Can I say that? And then, of course, we got the extravagant given the third kind. That's the like, like I said, people saying, don't do it. And you're saying, I don't want to do it, but it's on my heart to do it. And you love God so much you can't help him. And it, and it takes a lot of faith to do it the first couple times. But then pretty soon you realize, hey, I really can't outgive God, can I? And it just keeps coming back to you, you know. So, And that's when God really knows he's got your heart. What if God could trust me? Amen? In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3, it tells the story. It says, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father. You see, King David was his father. David was a giver, so naturally Solomon learned from King David. What are your children learning? Stangy? Hopefully not. Don't you want your children to be given? You know, the, the biggest word for a two-year-old is mine, mine, mine. <laughs> right? And we're still, we're 50 years old, still walking around, that's mine, that's mine. I got news for you. It's all God's. Anyway, before I get off on, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places was the worship at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000, like I said, burnt offerings. And it says, that night, I mean, this extravagant giving got God's attention. Somebody said, have you seen what Solomon's doing? He says, let's go down there tonight. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God says, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Oh, my goodness. What if God could trust us with the blank check? What if God could say, what do you want? Just ask me and I'll give it to you. Because I know you'll give me anything I ask. See, that's what the covenant is in the first place, isn't it? When you entered into a blood covenant with the Lord Jesus, you said whatever's mine is yours and whatever yours is mine. And he's looking for a, a faithful partner that he can express the fullness of that covenant to and with. Amen? I wrote this. Could it be our own hearts determine 
how much true blessing we're in position to receive in this life. Maybe it's not just the luck of the draw and this and that. I mean, we're all born into different circumstances. I understand that. The world has, you know, plays a big part. But, but what if the true riches in this life were more determined about my heart than anything else? My heart towards God. Because what he could trust me with. So my question is, what have you withheld from God that in turn you've actually withheld from yourself? What if God could trust me? I mean, whew. Sandra, would you come back up here? You got any more money? <laughs> Sandra, talking to that thing. Why did, why, why did you give me that $20 so fast? Because you gave it to me. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Sandra. That, that was a good answer. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. Oh, and Miss Sandra. You can keep that. Oh, and Miss Sandra. Let's double it. Amen. <laughs> Now, why was she so quick to give? Because she understood the principle that it wasn't hers. It was given to her in the first place. What do we have that we weren't given, the Bible says? We all came from the dust of the earth. And all the riches in, in the earth are, are God's. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his. You say, no, I worked hard for my money. Who gave you the strength to do it? Everything is God's. And there's a word that Christians need to understand. We are not owners. We are stewards. The Bible says stewards of the manifold grace of God. I didn't know what that word manifold mean. I thought it was something on a car. And I said, what does that mean? As I studied it out, it just means many folds. All kinds of grace. God gives us all kinds of grace. He blesses us in our finances. He blesses us in our health. He blesses us in our relationships. He blesses us all over the place. Many folds of God's grace in our life. And we're just stewards of all of that. We should be trying to give all that away. When he blesses us in our relationships, we should be trying to bless the relationships around us. And bless other people to have relationships. Everything he's given us is to steward it well. It's, it's when you're saying, man, man, and you're holding on so tight that you're so stingy. And, and, and life is, you, you're working so hard for this stuff. That's when you trade the, the, the true riches of God for the counterfeit of this world. God says, give it away. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For which, with what measure you sow, that's the measure you reap. If you're stingy, you don't get nothing back. But for those who've learned to trust God, 
you can't outgive God. And you just, it just keeps coming. And you become like a water hose. You know, it just keeps flowing through you. And if God can see he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And you'll enjoy the water too. But you'll have a continual supply for others around you. And you'll be producing that fruit in your life. I told you that Solomon was so generous probably because he learned it from his dad, King David. King David wanted so bad to build a house for God. Man, his, in his heart to build God the temple. And David, uh, God said, David, I'm going to let your son Solomon do it. But David, he says, okay. But he's gathered all the materials beforehand before he died. He had all the stuff, the gold and everything. He was gathering it all together to build the temple. It was like a plug and play. He was just waiting on Solomon to say, okay. When he became king, it was ready to go. And it says that David in one day gave an offering towards the temple of God. In our current currency, that would have been equivalent to $4.4 billion. Now, I'm not talking about the, the, all the people gave 4.4. I'm talking about David personally, out of his own treasure, gave $4.4 billion to the work of the temple. Now, I don't care if you're a king or rich or whatever. That's still a lot of money. That's still a lot of money. But listen to David's heart in 1 Chronicles 29, 13. He says, Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Then you see the humility. He said, But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything that we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. Man, what if God could trust you like that? Why did he have $4.4 billion in the first place? Because he had a proven track record of being a giver. You say, Pastor, I don't have $4 billion. I don't have a thousand bulls. That's completely okay. The little woman with the two mites, the little widow woman went up to the treasury. <laughs> and Jesus says she gave more than all of them, them cats that was throwing in the big chunks of cash. It's not about how much you give. It's about your heart. You see, that was all she had. It wasn't out of her excess. She was, that was her food from now on. She wasn't like she was a spry young thing that could go get a job and replace it. She was giving, basically trusting him with her life. She wasn't going to eat after this unless God. She was trusting God. And Jesus, I tell you, she's given more than It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. Angie, you was, uh, we was thinking about, you know, missions given and, and talking about it this week, you, you said that you had a couple of testimonies. Would you share just real briefly? Real briefly? Uh, he asked me, did I have some testimonies of, of us giving? And a couple came to mind. So 
Um, one of them was a while back. I, we had been in church about two or three years. We were tithers, and uh, and I was pregnant with my son. And God had just worked it out where I could quit my job and stay home. And uh, God worked, of course. And um, so I quit my job. I was pregnant. had another child. And then one night we were laying in bed, and God said, um, what do we have in savings about this amount? And I was like, thinking, yeah, because <laughs> he didn't know what we had in savings because uh, I did the money at the time. And um, and so he said, well, I think we need to get where we're supposed to give that. And I was thinking, you got to be kidding me. You know? <laughs> well, I just quit my job. I'm pregnant. You know, uh, we don't need to give all of our savings, you know. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But the fact that he knew how much it was, it was kind of like I felt like, okay, all right, Lord, you know, I'll do it. <laughs> and so I got, we gave it at church or wherever. Um, and then uh, like two or three days later, I went to the mailbox and uh, we got a check for, it was our income tax, but this was like September and we had never got, we, for some reason our income tax had never come in that year and we had been waiting on it and thought something, we thought it was some other, something was wrong or something. And so like, you know, just a few days later, it was the exact amount, almost a little more than what we had given. And I remember crying at the mailbox like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, thank you, Lord, you know. And I feel like, and in, in then another situation um, was this past year, right when everybody was quarantined and the corona hit, and uh, I work at a restaurant on the weekends and our restaurant was closed, and um, so that was a good bit of money that we weren't getting for a couple months there. And um, I had a friend, I mean, a, a extended family member who had posted on Facebook, they have a lot of health issues, they were about to lose their insurance, and they needed help just till a certain time so they didn't lose their insurance. So I talked to a guy about it, and... Um, and I was thinking, dang, we don't really need to be spending. I'm losing, you know, we're losing money every month because we can't go to work because of the corona. And um, But anyway, we just, we agreed and we gave it. And then, uh, like, a few days later, I got a check in the mail from a medical procedure he had had, like, two years before, some kind of reimbursement for this, almost the same amount. And my point is not that you always get a check in the mail. <laughs> you know, in these two situations, uh, we did, you know, but we've given lots of times where we didn't, you know, but I feel like God is te was teaching us both these times to trust him, like, I got you, you know, and there's been lots of times we give, we don't get money back right away, but you get blessings in different ways, and it's always ways God is teaching you to trust him, which is the point of the message, so. <laughs> what if God could trust us, huh? You, you made a good point, Angie. Uh, our our hearts should not be, I'm going to give because I know I'm going to get back. Even though the word says, what, whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. It, the word says that. And that is a, a motivation. It should be a motivational factor because you're trusting God for the harvest. And it is okay to believe God for the harvest. You should be. You should pray for the harvest so you have more to give. But... Our main motivation to me is not that what we will get, it's what we've already got. And it's being thankful for the life that we've already been given and that we're still here and all the things that we have in our life already. There's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. You remember that story? And his sisters, Mary and Martha, come running out. Jesus, if you'd have been here, you know, you could have healed him and he wouldn't have died. And 
Jesus says, don't you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? He said, roll that stone away. We're going to get some, down to some business. And he called Lazarus forth. And Lazarus came out of that tomb alive. And you can imagine Mary and Martha's heart. He just saved my brother's life. He just gave him life. And so a couple of weeks later in John chapter 12, we see that Mary and Martha are throwing a dinner party for Jesus. Probably a pretty much an appreciation dinner, right? And Because Lazarus is there, you know, at the table. And Martha, she's cleaning and cooking and the things she does. But it says Mary came in there with an, an expensive bottle of perfume or ointment or whatever it was. It called it spikenard. I have no idea what that is. But they said it was so expensive that this, this, it was about a pound of it, and it was worth a typical year's wage. Now, I don't know what the average wage is in DeSoto County, maybe $35,000, dollars $40,000 or something. Can you imagine walking in with a, a bottle of perfume worth $40,000? And she came in here, and she didn't say, well, I got this extravagant gift I want to give you, Jesus. Let me pour it over your head. No, she was so lowly in heart, so appreciative of what Jesus had done for her already. She just snuck up to his feet and began to pour $40,000 worth of this beautiful perfume on his feet. And it says she unbunned her hair and let her hair down and began to wipe his feet with her hair. And in those days, Jewish women... If they let their hair down, that was a sign that they were a loose woman. It was degrading. They always kept their hair up. They never let it down. But she didn't care. She didn't care what it looked like. And see, that's what's the problem. We care so much about what things look like. She didn't care about the awkward silence in the room when they said, what is she doing? What, what, what are, this is... And Judas was over there saying, we could have took the money for that, sold it, and gave it to the poor. He... There's always going to be religious people trying to talk you out of your extravagant gifts towards Jesus. But she poured out her heart. She poured out her dignity. She didn't care. She loved on Jesus' feet. And it was an appreciation, I'm sure, for what that he had raised her brother from the dead. Now, hasn't he raised you from the dead? How many of you in here know you were dead in your sins and trespasses? There was a, a stone rolled away in front of the tomb. You couldn't kick that joker out of the way. But Jesus said, roll away the stone. And he called you forth. And there's people on your row right beside you, your brothers and your sisters, that he called out of death. And shouldn't we be even more thankful? And I love what John says. He says, the fragrance filled the house. When we learn to give, not worrying about what people think, not out of fear, not out of compulsion, not out of somebody talking me into it. We give out of a heart that I'm going, I don't care who, if it hair lips the devil. I'm going to give, and I'm going to get down on my knees, and I'm going to be undignified, and I'm going give, to give, give gifts to my Lord Jesus. I don't care what anybody says. Then the fragrance begins to fill the house. And when we do this in the house of God, when we, we all begin to tithe, 
and trust God that first step. Then we give offerings and we're planting seed in the ground. And then when God lays it on our heart to do something extravagant, we don't hold back. The fragrance fills the house. Oh, the beautiful fragrance. And I can almost smell it now. I could feel the presence of God when I walked in. Who felt the presence of God today when they walked in? Because there's so much gratefulness in this house. The Bible says that he who is forgiven much loves much. And I think we got a lot of forgiven folks in here that love Jesus with all their heart, mind, will, and soul. And they just want to be found faithful. They're not holding on to the temporary things of this life, but they're letting it all go, letting it all go and saying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's what it says, the last line of the Bible. When it all said and done, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We just, we just want to be with you. We want to express ourselves and make our lives about you. It's about, can God trust you? What if God could trust you? Maybe you're in here today and you've never even trusted Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you're making your own decisions. Maybe, maybe you said the sinner's prayer at one time. Maybe you've been going to church your whole life. Maybe your uncle was a deacon and your brother was a pastor and you just assume you're just grandfathered in or something. I don't know. But it's not true. God looks at the heart. And he says, unless a man be born again, he'll not see the kingdom of God. And being born again means that you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. You have trusted him with your very life. You have trusted him with your life on this side and your life in the world to come. You said, Jesus, I can't do this. I've chased after the money. I've chased after the things. I've chased after the notoriety, the pride, the, the things of this life and you come to the end of self, and you say, Jesus, I just need you. I just need you. You're the only one. You're the way, the truth, and the life. I trust what the Bible says, that you gave your life on my cross to take away my sins. And I'm not carrying this sin burden another second. I'm not carrying it another second. If that's you, and you want to give your life to Jesus right now, whether you're online or you're here in the, in the sanctuary with us, the Bible says that you just need to confess him as your Lord out loud and let your heart hook up with what you're saying, that you believe he is who he says he is. So let's pray that together. For the sake of those who've never made Jesus Christ Lord, we want to see you called out of that tomb today with us. We want to see you in the land of the living. Pray with me like this. Say, God, I confess my sins and ask you to forgive me. I can't save myself, but I put all of my trust in your son Jesus who died on the cross for me. Jesus, forgive me of sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Be the Lord of my life. I give all to you. Here I am. Fill me and send me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
There's no, nothing more beautiful and fragrant in the house of God than when a lost person comes to faith in Jesus. Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 and go find that one. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life today, I'd like to talk to you after the service. If you're online today uh, and you can't get here to talk to me, uh, you can watch a video I made on the website. And it's, uh, what do I do now? Because we don't want to just get you saved and then throw you to the wolves. You're a little baby in Christ, and you need some help in, in your steps forward to walk this Christian life out. And we want to be here as a support to you. We'd love for you to join our life groups. We'd love for you to come to our next step class. All the things that we provide for your growth and for you to learn. And it's a process. Learn as a process to trust Jesus. Learn that he gave it all to us. And then he just wants us to trust him as he sees fit. Um, so let's, let's shift gears for a moment. We're gonna, uh, I'm going to tell you what a faith pledge is. Um, we're going to go through a slideshow real quickly. Just for your information, what we're doing. Everybody has their sheet there with the 24 missionaries. We've been asking you for a couple of weeks now to be praying about your giving. If you're not ready to make that decision, your monthly or weekly giving, however you want to give towards missions, um, then pray about it and, and turn it in next week. But we want to go ahead today, since we've been talking about today's the day, um, and ask for you to go ahead and fill it out. What this is going to do, this, this provides a fund. It doesn't go to our church. It goes into a fund to provide for those missionaries who are providing clean drinking water, uh, orphanages uh, over in Davos, Philippines, and, and just all those things that you see on that list. We are touching lives like never before. We are giving out. We are trusting God with this thing. Um, so we want, we want to be a blessing. We want to increase this year. Last year, we were faithful to give, our, most of us were faithful to give our pledges, but this year, we want to be extravagant. Because, man, I'm telling you, you take a dollar from America and you bring it over to Uganda somewhere, you can feed a child for two weeks on a dollar. I'm telling you, you just don't realize the money that we throw away on coffee or dog food will save a life around the world. So I'm not going to get into all that, but could you go ahead and put that first slide up, Kirsty? What is a faith promise next? I'm going to kind of go through quick. Over 3 billion people are without an adequate gospel witness. That doesn't mean that there's only 3, three billion people that don't know Jesus. That's 3 billion that ain't even heard about Jesus, okay? Jesus has commanded us to reach them through the Great Commission. It's our supreme objective of the church to go into all the world. Next. So we only have two choices. He says go into all the world. We either need to go into all the world or we need to be able to send somebody. We go or we send. And committed monthly giving makes this possible. Next. We're all familiar with committed online, uh, monthly giving, right? <laughs> we all have bills. We pay a car note. We pay this. I wrote on there, the average Christian spends more on pet care than world missions. We're a little bit spoiled over here. So this is a chance to, to switch that around, okay? Paul wrote about the Macedonian Christians in 2 Corinthians 8, chapter 3. He said, For I testify according to their ability and beyond their ability. They gave of their own accord. They wanted to. Nobody forced them. Nobody's forcing you. 
You may say, well, if I pledge, are you going to come checking up on me if I don't give one month? No, I ain't even going to know how much you give. We, the church is not going to contact you. This is a pledge between you and God. You give of your own accord. Just be honest. If you don't want to give, don't give. Okay? But the Macedonians gave according to their ability. That means budgeted giving. Well, I know I could probably afford this. I'll just, you know, give this amount. But they gave according to their non-ability. What was the other one? Beyond, Beyond their ability. <laughs> I mean, that's faith giving. That's where we call it a faith pledge. We're believing God. These two verses talk about different kinds of giving according to their ability and beyond their ability. Beyond their ability is a faith promise giving. You're trusting God for the money. Go ahead. Faith promises, promise giving lifts us to a higher level. It's a new experience in giving. It's giving beyond your ability. God using you to tap into the money that he has reserved for the harvest god has these storehouses and he's saying is somebody have enough faith to believe me we'll we'll tap into the storehouse that i got ready for the harvest because believe me god wants the harvest brought in more than you do and there is money open windows of heaven and pour it out on you if you but you got to step out in faith without faith it's impossible to please god so he, he don't want you to just give what you know you can give. It doesn't take any faith for that. It's generosity that's good. But a faith pledge, stepping out on a limb, you don't know if it's going to hold you. But we know who holds the limb. Next. Faith promise is not your tithe. Don't say, well, I'm just going to give all my tithe money to missions. No, tithe money goes into the storehouse. Uh, if you do that, then you won't have no church to give to, you know, that's what supports the local church. Your tithe is God's portion of what he's already provided for you. Next. We use our faith all the time for healing, for God's favor and increase things that are important to us. Faith promise giving is using our faith to reach people that don't know Jesus. It's given straight into the missions work. It's given straight into the harvest field. Jesus said, look up, for the fields are white to harvest. And we don't really, we don't even understand. We don't understand how much a little of our excess in this American culture can touch what it means to those missionaries that's over there living in mud huts and stuff. And how much souls and how many children they can feed. So why must I fill out a faith promise card? Because the total of the faith promises received provides us guidelines for our church and church's missions budget. You know, we know how much to expect to come in so that we can begin to provide for the missionaries accordingly. How do I give my faith promise? Well, you, we usually take up our missions offerings on the first Sunday. You can save and do it then, or you can do it however you want. You can give a little bit weekly or monthly, however your decision um, sometimes you say, well, I pledged this much and I'm believing by faith, but it ain't here this month. Well, don't, don't give what you don't have. <laughs> Start praying and say, God, remember my faith. I'm putting my faith out here. Give it next month, whatever. But all should clearly mark on their envelopes that it's towards missions. You know, you designate on your envelope or even if you text to give 84321, you put the dollar amount and then the word missions. 
and we'll m make sure it gets earmarked for missions. The church is not going to contact you if you fail to be faithful. All right. So how long does it last? We're pledging right now, so we usually do this conference once a year. We'll do it again uh, this time next year. And so your pledge this year is a yearly pledge. This is how much I pledge per month for this year or per week, however you want to do it next. Calvary demands our best, not our leftovers. So how much should my faith promise be? I don't know. Ask God. And just be obedient. Next. Active faith will unlock the resources needed to complete your commitment. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. Part of the reason you're so blessed is because he's waiting on you to bless somebody else with it. You know, it's, that's God's way. So let's obey God together. We can touch the world if we do our part. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.